This podcast is brought to you by the Dunfield Retirement Residence, a casually elegant retirement community located at Young and Eglinton in the heart of Midtown Toronto. Customized living options complement your independent, active lifestyle. Learn more at thedunfield.com. Vivian Silver, Nulda. That's what it sounded like last Thursday in Israel at the public memorial for the late Canadian peace activist Vivian Silver. In Hebrew, you hear Noah Mitzchaki, a member of Kibbutz Be'eri's council, say Vivian Silver was born on February 2, 1949, and was killed October 7, 2023. She says Vivian grew up in the middle of a place called Winnipeg, minus 40 in the winter, plus 40 in the summers. All joking aside, though, Vivian was murdered in her home on Kibbutz Be'eri, where she'd lived for the last 30 years. It's just a few kilometers from the Gaza border. But because Be'eri is still off limits to most civilians, and it's on the front lines, the public memorial for Vivian was held at another kibbutz an hour away to the north, Kibbutz Gezer, midway between Tel Aviv and Jerusalem. Gezer holds special significance in Vivian's life. She lived there for many years when she first moved to Israel in the 1970s, then a young woman of 25, part of the left-wing Habonim Youth Movement, an idealistic Zionist leader who was among the founding group of North Americans who rebuilt that kibbutz after it had been destroyed years earlier during Israel's War of Independence. When Hamas attacked, Silver was hiding behind a cupboard in the safe room of her house. She was texting with her sons and friends, and then no one heard from her again. Hamas massacred over a hundred people in her kibbutz that day and burned down many homes, including hers. It took Israeli forensic experts so long to positively identify her remains, which is why for five weeks her family assumed she'd been kidnapped with the 240 hostages to Gaza. Vivian Silver's story has captured the attention of people here in Canada and around the world because of the cruel irony that she was killed so violently despite her lifetime of working for peace. I, I think Hamas was wrong on so many levels, but to have taken a peace angel like Vivian Silver uh, and brought her life to an untimely end, um, I, I feel it deeply. I'm Ellen Besner, and this is what Jewish Canada sounds like for Monday, November 20th, 2023. Welcome to the CJN Daily, a podcast of the Canadian Jewish News, sponsored by Metropia. Vivian Silver's family was able to bury her at Kibbutz Be'eri on Friday in a private ceremony. Her two sons, Chen and Yonatan, were there. So was her sister Rochelle Gamliel, who came in from Winnipeg, and her brother Neil Silver, who lives in Calgary. And she was laid to rest right next to the grave of her late husband, Louis. A few Israeli soldiers were part of the honor guard, and you could hear explosions and the sound of fighting clearly during the brief burial ceremony. Vivian Silver was born a year after Israel's independence and moved to Israel right after the Yom Kippur War in 1973. Living in Israel so long and through multiple wars, she became convinced that no good would come of continued military action. Instead, peace could be achieved, she felt, only through dialogue which is why she founded many organizations to help Palestinians economically and Bedouins, taking them to medical appointments and lobbying Israeli society for a two-state solution. Here's Vivian speaking a few days before she was killed to a gathering for the Women Wage Peace Organization, which she founded nearly 10 years ago. 
it even brings me to tears um, because we all spend all of our time trying to convince other Israelis that peace is possible. On today's episode, you'll hear from several guests who pay tribute to Vivian Silver's legacy. First, her brother, Neil Silver. Then, her childhood friend, Lynn Mitchell, a Toronto social worker originally from Winnipeg, who flew to Winnipeg after news of Vivian's death was confirmed. And lastly, Deborah Lyons, Canada's new special envoy to combat anti-Semitism and promote Holocaust remembrance. I know of no better way than to use our talents to the utmost and to take advantage of all the knowledge we have acquired and put it into action. With all the knowledge we have acquired, certainly we will be able to differentiate between the beneficial and the harmful. Those two lines came not from a recent speech, but from Vivian's junior high school valedictorian address when she was but 15 years old. So Vivian's activism and her moral compass were firmly set from the very beginning. An essential part of my trips to Israel was always visiting Vivian in her, in her beautiful home on Kibbutz Barry. <laughs> Cycling or walking through the Barry fields with her was a highlight for me. Tragically, Vivian's future was stolen from her and all the time I had hoped to spend with her in Barry or in my home in Canada has been stolen from me too. I can't believe Vivian won't personally witness her advocacy for a better world bear real fruit. I will miss hearing her voice and above all, hearing her wonderful laugh. I can't believe I won't see her again. Thank you again for making yourselves available. We were going to see Rochelle, because Rochelle, who is Vivian's sister, who lives in Winnipeg. But of course, uh, Vivian, um, Rochelle, Rochelle is in Israel. Uh, I spoke to her before she left, and I spoke to her brother uh, before he left. Um, the embassy was arranging for their trip, for their, for their flights to Israel. So no, so we're not seeing any of... Uh, Vivian's family here because they're in Israel for the uh, for the funeral and for the burial. Did the kids go? Like of of uh, Rochelle's kids go or Neil's kids? Any of them go or just the two siblings? You know, I don't. I'm not sure. I know that um, uh, all of Vivian's grandchildren are there. I don't know about her nieces and nephews. Jonathan has three. Chen has one. Chen has one and one on the way. That was the heartbreaking part of the funeral that Chen uh, said, I can't believe that they're going to be my my children, my gr- your grandchildren who won't know you. How old are all the grandchildren? Do you know offhand? There's, Jonathan uh, has three, two boys and one girl. The girl is five and the other two boys are roughly uh, 10 and eight. I would always check with Vivian and she with me, you know, how are, how old are they now? But Lenny, who's the, uh, Chen's son who stayed with me in the summer with Vivian and Chen and Jonathan and Ori, his mother is three and that's Chen's son. And it's, he, uh, Lenny's the one who's going to have a brother or sister. Why did you go to Winnipeg? Why did I go to Winnipeg now? Um, we have a lot of family here and, it's been very, uh, in terms of, of tributes to Vivian, I, 
I have to tell you, it's such a Winnipeg story. First of all, um, the back page of the Winnipeg Free Press uh, was uh, sponsored by all the congregate, all the synagogues in Winnipeg. It's a picture of uh, all the hostages with Vivian in the middle and a memorial to her, you know, 1949 to 2023. And I, I, uh, I have to tell you, we're staying in a hotel, and when we went out yesterday to, you know, visit more family, it said just to the right of the elevator, to the left of the elevator, BBYO, meeting room one. Michael and I stopped in our tracks, and we looked inside, and I have to tell you, it was full of 14, beautiful 14, 15-year-old girls sitting at tables with candles. It was a, a BBYO, a Red River Region BBYO gathering. And we stopped and just sort of breathed in the moment, thinking back, it had come full circle. That's where we started with Vivian. But then the leaders and a couple of the of the members came out. And we stopped them and we introduced ourselves and, and said who we were. And of course, they, they knew Vivian. And I told them that I had found, I kept a scrapbook from that time. I found a program from 1965, which was the Red River Region Award Luncheon, where I was the outgoing vice president of the region and Vivian Silver was the incoming president of Red River Region. That's where it all started. And when I looked at those girls, I thought, may there be a hundred of Vivian in that room? You know, and, and I have to tell you that the leaders were women who had emigrated from Argentina 20 years ago. And I, I was the child, of, and here were, their, here were their children, again, the daughters of immigrants, as I was, in this organization, you know, sort of the tradition continuing, looking for ways to make a better future. And that's for, you know, and it had just come full circle in Winnipeg. And, you know, your hometown always does that for you. And there it was. And they said, wow, we're going to go in and we're going to tell the girls that we met you and about Vivian and the 1965 program and how it started here. And we also told them that uh, they should be careful who they talk to because Michael and I met when we were 15 at a BBYO function and it's now, you know, 60 years later. So they should be very careful who they talk to. How did Vivian meet Lewis? Do you know the story of their meet cute as you just told us your lovely story of yours? Uh, as you know, was uh, Vivian and her first husband went to, to Gezer and um, it was a, um, a kibbutz that was populated a lot by North Americans, mostly Americans. And um, after Vivian's first marriage ended, um, I, I believe they met. I'm not quite sure about the interregnum between the end of the first marriage and Lewis. I couldn't comment on that. Understood, because we didn't know that that she'd had a first marriage, but the kids are Lewis's, of course, and hers. They weren't in the starter marriage. Was the starter marriage with a Canadian guy? Do you know? No, he was American. I remember Michael and I were at, were at their wedding. It took place in Winnipeg. And I remember Vivian walking down the aisle to the Khalil. It was so haunting. There was a Khalil uh, that walked her down the aisle in, in terms of music. And I remember the smile, you know, the Vivian smile. What is a Khalil? 
like a flute. The khalil is the it's a flute, yeah, but it's used in um, in the Middle East. That's amazing. Yeah. That's a beautiful anecdote. Now you've been there. You've been talking to all the media. You've been talking to international media from from Canada, I guess, and you've been sort of the spokesperson all along. Why do you think Vivian's story resonates so much with people who basically never heard of her before this October 7th? I think because of what she stood for and the way and and all her hopes and dreams and her work and the way she lived, but mostly also the way she lived her life. I mean, the way she tried to deal with the lack of peace was not only to work for peace, but to live her life to build connections and relationships. That's how she did it, with people from Gaza, uh, with people in the Bedouin communities around the Negev where she lived in Berri. I remember, not only do I remember going to Gaza with her, this was in the year 2000, to meet some of her friends there who, you know, we had lunch with and and uh, drove us around Gaza. I mean, I have pictures of Gaza. But we also went to the Bedouin communities with her, the unrecognized communities that she helped, um, that she and Amal, they were the co-directors of this, uh, of the NISPIT, of the Negev Institute for Peace and Economic Development. And the economic development programs that they had implemented with the Bedouin communities and the catering businesses that the women had developed, which were now uh, delivering meals to, to kids in schools all over the Negev. How can that not capture someone's imagination to live your life like you coexist with the people who share the land with you? You know, she lived her life that way. And, and of course, the tragedy of the, the terrible tragedy of the way she died, because we have no peace. And, and I think she would say, we're not done yet. You know, and it's, and it's that hope, I think, that people are connecting to and attaching to how else do you make peace in the world? You try and live your life as a model for peace, as a model for coexistence, as a model for relationships and connections. The left, and I'm going to use capital L for left, of which she was a proud person in that camp and the peace camp, has discovered that they're, the people they thought were working with them, and I'm talking mostly North America now, are anti-Semites and come out with horrible racist things on their, you know, university sexual assault um, programs. You know what I'm talking about, the University of Alberta, just next door where you are. And they thought they had allies and they realized that they were mistaken. So I, I wonder where this killing of, of a prominent peace activist sits now. How is it being seen where no matter what you do, they just killed her anyway? She would say, because we don't have peace, you know, and that violence will never bring about peace. And that, um, you know, that the way forward is not through violence, but through trying to keep, you know, like when, when, you, feel, when you feel insecure and unsafe, you know, what do you do? You can go for a gun or you can try and make connections or you can do both. I don't know. That's not my... That's certainly not my area of expertise. I couldn't begin to, to solve the problem. I know that uh, from Vivian's perspective, I know the kind of person she, she, she was. That she would say, well, I want to hear the pain on both sides. She would say, we, you know, 
I have to listen. We have to listen to the pain on both sides. I have to listen to yours and you have to listen to mine. And I think that's that's the hard part of what you're saying, Ellen, is that it has to be shared. While I'm willing to listen to your pain, are you willing to listen to mine? And I think that's where the connection of the work is yet to be discovered and done. I think that's what Vivian would say. But that's the hard work. And that's what Jewish Canada sounds like for this episode of the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. Integrity, community, quality, and customer care. The Winnipeg Jewish community plans to organize a memorial for Vivian Silver in the coming weeks. In Israel, her shiva ends on Tuesday. And we'll end with Deborah Lyons' tribute to her friend Vivian Silver. Lyons served as Canada's ambassador to Israel in 2016 to 2020. We'll have a full interview with Deborah Lyons on her new job as special envoy coming up soon on the CJN Daily. Vivian was a friend of mine, uh, is a friend of mine, was a friend of mine. Uh, I spent many beautiful hours in her kitchen on the kibbutz drinking tea and talk. And she spent many hours in my residence in Tel Aviv. And we spent many hours together, many days together, uh, doing a, a variety of peace initiatives with Palestinians. Because Vivian, as you know, was one of the most, the foremost peace activists in, in Israel at the time. I was very proud of her as a Canadian, that this incredible, you know, Israeli Canadian was doing this enormous amount of work. And uh, I'll be talking to her, her sons in the coming days. And it is po- it is poignant, actually, Ella, you know, in a way to think that I was in Winnipeg. I mean, it makes me want to come to tears um, that I happened to be in Winnipeg when we got the news about her, in fact, her life being over. But, you know, then we all become Vivians. That's it. We all we all become a little bit of her and continue to do this work. The Dunfield Retirement Residence offers customized living options to complement your independent, active lifestyle. Welcome home. Welcome to the Dunfield. Visit us at thedunfield.com to book a personal tour.